Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about paid mods. Before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games in the industry and the culture. And E3 just happened, okay. E3 is currently <laughs> happening, technically. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. But I mean, like, the big stuff, it felt like the big stuff happened over the Well, week. yeah, so, so... As has been the, 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 the trend for the past couple of years is that the press conferences have been moving further and further back to before the actual show. And now most of them are happening over the weekend before. Yeah. Technically, the conferences, I think, Wednesday through Saturday. Um, but, yeah, all, all the big announcements happened. Both of our safe predictions came true, I think. But none of our other predictions came true. That's true. Wait, what What were some of our other predictions? I can't even remember. So my safe I knew my safe prediction was about the Scorpio would get announced. Yeah. My safe prediction was more details about Super Mario Odyssey, and we got a whole lot about that. That game looks great. My bold prediction was Starfield. Your bold prediction was Game of Thrones. We got nothing from that oh, fucking Bethesda right. yeah, conference, got, that trash got... fucking conference. Yeah, that was pretty awful. Todd Howard didn't even bother to show his goddamn face. I really oh. like I really like all of the memes that are that are like, now you can play Skyrim on your toilet. Like, yeah. <laughs> just keep re I mean, hey, man, I think the game's a masterpiece and everything, but damn, all right? Come yeah, on. and uh, the bold predictions... Or the, uh, or rather the, um, the the out there predictions. Blizzard did not announce anything about World of Warcraft, and we got no Muscle March two. So, uh, right, yeah, Muscle March two. <laughs> um, uh, but we did we did get some surprising stuff out of E three. But one yeah, of the things, you, what would you call surprising? Uh, Metroid Prime four. Oof, that was definitely surprising. Um, even especially given that it was just a, I mean. Rather, it was really nothing, right? It was literally just a, a screenshot of, like, the logo, and they said it's in development, which is kind of like, <laughs> yeah. okay. I do, I do fucking love the Metroid Prime. I mean, I'm really, I'm really tough on Disney, or Disney. Nintendo. Nintendo. I'm tough on Disney, too. I'm really tough on Nintendo in a lot of ways, but oof, baby, man. Like, Metroid Prime is some capital A art, and I love it so much. Um, the other big one, I think, is... Uh, what was, uh, there was another big one that I can't remember now because I'm blanking on it. Did you have anything that you thought was surprising? Well, I remember uh, it's things that I, th I see I, a lot of things get, um, like a lot of things get announced, but we are always aware of them, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, um, so like for instance, uh, they, they showed off a lot of this new Spider-Man game and it looks, and it looks great and it looks a lot of, like a lot of fun. Uh, but we knew that Spider-Man game was a development, right? Um, that, that had already kind of like been announced. This is the first time we saw details. What are some big announcements that I think? Well, so Sh Shadow of the Colossus is coming back. That's a big one for the PS4. Um, yeah. Uh, which I think is pretty cool. I never played the original version. You know, I've, like, heard all about it, obviously. Yeah, Anthem, I, I think, is, is a, uh, a But we knew that uh, was coming, right? Like, like I don't know. The, the other big surprising thing to me was uh, Monster Hunter World uh, for the PS4. That yes, couple, that's true. That coupled with the sideways announcement that the Monster Hunter for the Switch isn't coming to the U.S., so it's all world, um, It's which is PS4 and PC. Mm -hmm. um, the PC announcement is actually kind of surprising. Uh, or rather, it kind of, like... Retrospect, this is kind of like a Black Swan event type of deal. Because, um, like, 
I, I think I thought, wow, it's coming to the PC, but then like Toki Den and all the other kind of hunting games have made their way to the PC. Mm. So it's really not that surprising if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I really like Monster Hunter, and I've always like really wanted to get into it, but uh, I have had a uh, uh, same same thing for me. I've I, had a very tough time. It sounds so perfect, you know what I mean? An action RPG like this really in depth crafting system, right, and all this other kind of stuff. But I just always have a tough time. Uh, I have one for the I and to be honest, I haven't really like done this in a while. Like I have one for the DS from like ten years ago at this point. Uh, less than that, but around there. Yeah, the, the way that um, that that one of the the Pat from the Super Best Friends puts it is, it's like, it's a game that you don't know if you're going to like until you're like twenty hours into it, and most people can't be bothered to get through that that phase. Yeah, that's um, definitely fair. Um, especially because like I've played like the first hour or two of like the Wii the Wii version and the DS version and the 3DS version, or maybe two different 3DS versions. I don't remember. And it's all kind of like killing random regular monsters, which aren't very, very interesting fights. And I'm always like, oh, that was neat, maybe. And I just never pick it back up. I think part of that is kind of just like my attachment to my PC. Mm-hmm. So maybe with it being on the PC, it'll be easier. Although I bought Tokiden 2 and I did this exact same thing. Um, so maybe not. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a small amount of, uh, there's a small amount of like other things that had big kind of like big big impacts right you know um so obviously wolfenstein the new wolfenstein game is set in the 60s with uh like a nazi occupied occupation of the u.s or whatever uh and it set off this like you know <laughs> i don't know if you saw any of this stuff, yeah i, I thought this thing the... of like kind of white nationalists uh <laughs> as, as far as I, as far as i could see it was actually relatively tame compared to most things Right, like mm-hmm. in terms of most blobs that I've seen, like the big ones were, um, the big the big ones were uh, the last night and um, and Call of Duty World War Two, um, but I think that was mostly one person like wrote an article and everybody kind of pointed fingers and laughed at him. I heard about that article, or well, I guess you you yeah, talked I, I, about that yeah. article and then I like looked it up or maybe you linked it or something like that. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, uh, for the listeners, essentially in multiplayer um, Call of Duty World War Two, you can create a custom avatar but that has the side effect of being able to play a black female nazi in the multiplayer <laughs> and and so the author of this piece just describes like and like i ran around the corner and i rammed a bayonet into her chest and he's like i ran i just killed a black female nazi um which you know kind of got everybody being like ha 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 look at this everybody like Everybody's kind of like, what do we even make of this, right? Uh, the, the other big story I around really, the- I, that's the kind of how I feel about it. Like, I really have no idea what what side to come down on. I don't even think people are like making sides. People are just like, well, uh, okay. The, the other thing is that they scrub the swastika from the multiplayer. That's which- becoming more and more common. That's also true in Hearts of Iron, for instance. But that's because of Germany. Yeah, yeah. That, I would say that seems a little bit more defensible to me because, like, in the past, what would happen is they'd have it, and then they'd scrub it for the German audience. It's just easier for them to not do it, so mm-hmm. it's fine. I mean, it doesn't bother me. So apparently, they do use it in the campaign, so that 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 bothers me less. Um, they use the Iron Cross instead, um, but you know, uh, yeah, that that was all um, stuff. Um, the bit. Did you want to say something? Sorry, I didn't mean to. The, another thing was Metro Exodus. Did you see that? I was a, I was a fan. Oh yeah, that Metro looked Exodus. cool. It looked pretty cool. 
Oh, the Microsoft maybe... conference wasn't very good. I think the Sony conference was probably the best. No, the Devolver uh, Digital conference was the best. Have you seen it? Oh, I haven't seen that one. Uh, it, is, it is an art piece. It is. It's only fifteen <laughs> minutes long. It is the okay. greatest. <laughs> okay. The tagline of the conference is "Tomorrow's unethical business practices today." Um, it is basically a mockery of 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 every other press conference. It is. Amazing! I encourage. I'll put a link in the description. <laughs> okay. I, uh, uh, all right. I. I. Fair enough. I guess. Um, but yeah. Uh, Sony's. So, I actually really liked a lot of the games in the Microsoft conference. It's just that, um, kind of something I wanted to come around to too is that there are literally zero Xbox exclusives, at all. Um, like they're either being released on both consoles or being released on the Xbox and the PC. Yeah. Um. It's, 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 I don't know. I thought, I thought, like I said, I thought a lot of the games were really cool, but I have, I have no need to ever, to, to use my Xbox One again or to buy an Xbox One X because I have I really a PC. don't. I, I, don't, you know, I'm obviously not a product manager for Microsoft, um, uh, despite having worked there a couple of years ago. Um, the, uh, 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 the Xbox seems so weirdly positioned in today's marketplace. And in, in a certain sense, I kind of think that the Xbox One kind of got hampered by the initial hatred that all of the features on it got. Um, I actually think that all of those features were pretty cool and awesome, um, but they were just kind of presented poorly, and then Microsoft overcompensated by stripping basically all of them away, uh, and so now you kind of get nothing interesting with the yeah. like there's there's no reason because they took out you know like the family sharing stuff like that like that's super cool um they took out all of the stuff with the new you know with like the new connect which is basically unsupported now uh just yeah man like tons of tons of stuff like that uh and it, it kind of feels as though they're just trying to be like okay listen we're just gonna prepackage a fucking pc for you and that you buy it on the cheap essentially. yeah i i um, i, I, I so. I actually think that that's right on the nose. I think that they're trying to aim for the uh, kind of either like like the the bros that play like Madden and whatever and don't want to like the people who want a game but are like Mac users or just don't want to spend a ton of money on a nice desktop or mm. or, or or you know gaming PC um, and just kind of capture that edge of stuff while. Um, not limiting their kind of... I think they're also trying to use to drive sales to the Windows Store, which is a terrible experience as of now. Yeah, uh, I, so, I mean, I was making this prediction literally five years ago, right? Like, And I was talking about how like they released this Xbox app on Windows machines, and I was like, oh, I get it. They're going to ramp this up and try and be a Steam competitor. I think that's really smart, right? Like, I think that's really clever. Um and, uh, and they just never did that. And every E3, it seems like they're always announcing, they're like, oh, this is going to be only on Xbox and PC, only on Xbox and PC. Like, everything goes to the PC and the Xbox, but, like, not the PS4 or, like, the PS4 way down the line sort of thing. Um, and I was kind of like, this is also clever, right? You know, like, you're, you're making it so that if I buy it on my PC, I can play it on my Xbox and kind of, like, vice versa a little bit. Uh, but now, it's five years later, they haven't released any kind of xbox competitor application at least i mean maybe they have fuck i don't even know um so i don't know that just seems like a missed that just seems like a like a radically missed opportunity to me yeah, yeah. but yeah i agree with you 100 i liked a lot of the games that i saw at the microsoft conference uh metro exodus is just the one that popped into my head i've never played sea of thieves those. 
I am so Oh, Sea of Thieves. Yes. I am yes. I, I am so excited to be like playing that game with like four of us and having like you and me like talking about something and then Nick's already like launched himself out of a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I am, That's true. I'm ex- I'm excited for shenanigans. Is very cool. I also think that there's also the Ubisoft game. Um uh Skull and Bones. Which is a pirate, like a pirate MMO. I have literally, secretly, been waiting my entire life to play a good, solid pirate MMORPG. And I really hope that this is the one. I could see myself get into, um, I could really see myself get into Skull and Bones if, uh, if it's actually, you know, like, legit and good. Yeah, no, I, I, I like, I love that kind of pirate theming like that like I, I love that like era of guns mm-hmm. right like like the kind of flintlock matchlock definitely. type stuff I, I, definitely, I love it i definitely agree with you um i'm a big like I'm, I'm a big fan of like pirate era and also like the guns like the 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 like one gunslinger in the fantasy world type trope i, I love that stuff so i'm i'm super yeah. excited for all this yeah i really did i really i didn't see a lot of sea of thieves uh but i did see i liked what i saw uh, yeah same thing i mean same thing for skull and bones is there any news on shadow of war i didn't look into um so uh, they so i've been following it super hardcore since um since the beginning and there hasn't been a ton of Stuff that was was new if you hadn't been following it already. Okay. Um, the big th- I, I so I I was in the Shadow of War Discord while the stream was going off There's at the Shadow of War Discord. Yeah. Uh, everybody everybody has Discord now. Um, maybe we should make one. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah. So um, like so the <laughs> it's it's the stupidest thing, but like the thing that everybody was excited about is uh, from the first trailer there's a character named aslar and everybody just kind of fell in love with him mm. um and then in this in this like new trailer it pops by an orc who's also named or uh, 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 it's the ogres i forget what their proper names are but he's also named aslar and everybody just goes is just going crazy in the discord plus um there was a thing in one of the live streams recently where someone said uh like can you mount like these ogre things? There was like a, a stat on somebody in a screenshot that said unmountable, and then in this trailer we saw a prompt to mount a car- to mount one of them. Everybody's like, "What is this? What is this?" And they still haven't told us anything. But it's uh, everybody you know it's nothing super new, but uh, just more kind of like gameplay of what's happening. Um, everything like most things look good. The only thing that I, that I'm a little bit um. Uh, what's the word I'm going to say? Uh, a little bit uh, kind of shy on is, um, is is like the these kind of last boss rooms for the fortress invasions all kind of look the same so far. They said they're going to be different, and it might, that might just be like a beta thing, so I'm not mm. too worried. But so far, they've all been the same kind of like guys sitting on a throne with like four rows of vents that, get, that spout flames in between you and him as you approach it. Which, even if they were all the same, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But the game looks really good, and I'm excited. I did hear something. uh, uh, I don't know if this is true, because this sounds like a misleading thing. But apparently there's no save system or something like that. There's something about how, like, if you fuck up a mission or something, like, the world just keeps going. I mean, that's that's how it's been since Shadow of Mordor, right? Like, if, if you die... Time advances, you get resurrected, but like the world moves on, right? Like the oh, oh, okay, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I now understand. All right, I was because at first I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, right? Like 
you know, the idea that you can't just, like, continually try and replay the same missions, and if you fail it, you fail it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of, like, I think most of the missions are, like, so, um, the the example they gave is if you die in, like, the throne room on a fortress assault, um, you get one chance to, like, kind of, like, sneak in and directly attack the guy before they rebuild their defenses, but if you fail on that, then the whole thing rebuilds, and you have to do the whole fortress assault again. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is an interesting system. Um, I do think that is very cool. Um, but uh, one of the other announcements, and maybe we should get to this so we can get into today's topic, was from Bethesda. Oh, boy. About the... Uh, hold on, I've got the page up, so I'm going to use the right name. It's the, the Bethesda Creation Club, um, which is a... Uh, it is a system by which... You can purchase downloadable content in kind of micro packs made by Bethesda third-party developers and some community people. And the immediate reaction to this is, um, this is paid mods again. Um, I think this is kind of the lens that we wanted to view this through is like, um, you know, obviously a couple of years ago, uh, Steam tried to do paid mods and everybody exploded within three days. It was gone. Yep. Um, and Gabe Newell came on, came on Reddit and personally apologized, um, and kind of now we're a couple years later, and the kind of prevailing sentiment is that this is Bethesda trying to pull a fast one over on people, and I don't think that that's quite accurate. I'm I'm a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more uh kind of favorable to this, um, because mm. I think if we're going if you're going to do paid mods, this is kind of the right way to do it. Um, that being said, um, I also kind of have my reservations. But but, but buddy, what do you think of it? My immediate skepticism is towards how committed they will be to their own uh I don't I don't have any faith whatsoever. This is this sounds meaner than it is. I like Bethesda. I think Bethesda are some strong. I have a, I have friends who work at Bethesda, right? But uh I just don't have any faith that they will follow through with kind of the um uh with kind of the quotables that they talked about in uh, in the creation club thing, like they, you know, you know, they basically said, "Look, we're going to we're going to work you into our pipeline," um, sort of thing. And first of all, I think outsourcing that is going to be incredibly difficult logistically. Like, I like I bet Bethesda probably has like like a couple of people on this like project, and they think it's going to be a small thing. Like, no, this kind of thing would be fucking massive it would be huge scale work right for so unless they're like really hardcore gunning for this and they're gonna you know what i mean like they're like because this is it's just like the infrastructure you would need in order to try and integrate these people right there's a vetting process in order to figure out what modders you want to kind of like bring online there's an internal dev cycle that is like you know, it, 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 it includes things like testing, like bug testing. Uh, so, you know, now you're you're funneling into QA, localization, right? So now you're funneling into that team kind of thing. So it's just like adding the, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's like you, you need to get like the water pressure in your house is low. And so you need to like get a new, you know, like, oh, like get a new thing, like a pipe put in. To, to like add more water to your house but instead of getting one pipe you get every pipe on the eastern seaboard to root directly into your house like the, i just don't i just can't conceive that they will be able to make this pipeline work from beginning to end without just being flooded with 
uh, kind of logistical bureaucratic nightmare. So I think I actually I think I kind of I agree with you in concept, but I think this is actually the problem. I think people believe that there's going to be a lot more um, community involvement than there is going to be. Like, the way this is positioned, the way they're talking about this, I think everybody's looking at this being like, this is paid mods all over again. I don't think that's true. I think this is them going to be like, they're going to, like, look at that guy who made that, like, whole zone mod. Or, like, the guys who made Sky UI and be like, hey, guys, we're going to contract you for a mod. And, like, it's going to be, like, a small number of people. And it's mostly going to be them reaching out rather than people applying inwards. Um, or if it is, it is applying inwards, it's going to be very, very small. It's not going to be this huge thing. I think that's where this kind of diverges from w what people are expecting. I don't think this is going to be like a thousand modders throwing their, their spaghetti against the wall till to, to, to they find something that sticks so they can make three bucks. I think this is going to be um, a much smaller scale thing than this. And I think this is why they put kind of community creators last on that list. I think this is a, the ability for them to do more like horse armor, frankly, style DLC um, in kind of like a more micro way and also to get like, say, uh, like other kind of professional studios involved in a way or like semi-professional studios in a way that is palatable. That being said, I do agree. Like my biggest concern with this is they were like, is they said, we're going to give you all of the, you're going to go through the whole pipeline, including things like QA. And my immediate reaction was like, oh, so the QA you give your game, which is none. And like, <laughs> yeah, they also said some things, for instance, like um, that the creation, like that everything in the creation club will be compatible with everything else in the creation club. And I was just kind of like, uh, that's going to be a problem real fucking quick, dude. Like, yeah, I... because like there is, there are so, you know, like, there are so many mods out there now, obviously, like on the Nexus, and there are all of these guides on to what, like, what mods break, what other mods, yeah, and, and how do you like, order things, and like, they right, people exactly, have like custom like, orders, all of that kind of thing. And so this, I, this magical idea of theirs, I think, that everything will be instantly compatible with everything else, is ridiculous. I have no faith. <laughs> so again, I'm going to go into this. I think that that's kind of like, I think that's a misplaced expectation. I think what that means yeah, is, is if yeah. you look at this creation club page, like they're all just kind of like reskins, right? Like this is all going to be like new, like maybe some new weapons and some new skins on old things and some like new colors on like the pit boy, but it's not going to be anything super crazy that can do that can break anything. Right? Like you're just not going to have things like a crazy physical altering spells or like new HD shaders for roads or like, you know, like, all these crazy things why you love modding, I just don't think are going to be part of this marketplace because it's just not going to be feasible. Um, like, I have confidence in their ability to get this to work the way they say it is, but that's just going to mean that it's not going to be particularly interesting. Yeah, uh, I do have to say, I mean, I, th I think this is... Well, okay, so I think that the old paid mod system had obvious flaws, but I do agree in principle. There's this whole thing, and I, I just this this thing drives me fucking insane. There's this whole thing about how like, oh, modders, modders should only do it for the for the love of the game. No, fuck that, right? Like these people are putting work into it. They should be able to sell, essentially, right? Like. Um, and there should be some kind of like infrastructure for that. Obviously, if people want to put mods out for free, hey, great, put some fucking mods out for free, right? But you know what I mean? Like, as far as I see it, I don't think there's a really great window um, that allows that allows people who create mods to 
you know, like to to make to make that work translate into sustainable income, yeah. right? Which is, I think, the end goal, right? And so I'm I'm super down to it, for, or I'm super down for it from that perspective. And I think the important thing that they did here, which is very cool, uh, is that they have separated out kind of the creation club paid mod stuff and the old mod system. Like they basically said, listen, the old mod system is staying the way it is. We are not, you know, we're not fucking with any of this. Um, so you guys will be able to, uh, you guys will still be able to go out and get all the fucking free mods you want, but we're going to, now we're going, and so from that perspective, right, in a, in a macro sense, I'm absolutely super into the idea of the Creation Club, because I do want, like, I do think that there should be a good venue for someone who goes out and creates, you know, a mod that's downloaded by 500,000 people or whatever, you know, like that's probably ridiculous, but kind of whatever. Right? Yeah, no, th um, this, is, this is like everybody's dream, right? Like you go, you make the, the illegal fan game or the mod and Bethesda looks at you and says, you know, or the company looks at you and says, you're, wow, that's crazy. Come work for us. And this is just kind yeah. of like a lesser version of that. And right. I'm, I'm okay with this in, in theory. Um, I think the biggest problem with pay, with paid mods in general, which is kind of you know what we're going to expand out to, is that there there I don't think there's a really good way to 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 implement paid mods in a way that isn't like super hand curated by the developer, which is something that I don't know that a lot of developers are interested in doing, right? Like Bethesda has to build like a whole kind of infrastructure around like if they were going to do like true paid mods, right? Like anybody can mm -hmm. make a mod and throw it to them for review. And like put it up on a marketplace, that's gonna be tough because there's like you know all this bootloader bullshit that people go through to get all their mods to work in tandem. That doesn't fly when you're paying for it, right? Like there's a huge like amount of like caveat emptor that people are not going to be willing to deal with for paid stuff. Um, they're gonna expect their things to work if they pay money for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other part of this is that like, um. The, the, the big thing we saw when they announced paid mods was um, people going and, like, taking popular existing mods and immediately just copying them and throwing them up as their own with a price tag on it. Um, and I think that's also, like, a thing you have to watch out for. You have to protect people's... Um, you, have to, you have to produce some amount of, like, um, protection for people so that they... Uh, uh, so, so that, like, they are willing to throw their... Like, people... Let me, let me rephrase this. People are willing to throw essentially their IP into the arena for free because it's not like they're losing anything by it. The moment you attach money to it, people want protection for their stuff. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of what's stopped. Like, for instance, I think there's a, like a different version of reality where like uh, essentially the Nexus, because these this is where I think of mods being kind of localized. But like, you know, so the Nexus for whatever kind of game uh, is the one who does that security for you, right? Um, but I think the problem with it is, uh, I think the problem with it is that it's just impossible. You kind of get, you kind of get in the same DRM territory. Like, if so, for instance, if we just take the Nexus system we have now, and the Nexus says, "Okay, cool, now you need to pay me ten dollars for this," you know, Skyrim mod. Or whatever. Well, the files you get on the back end, I can just copy them on a USB stick and hand them to you. Right. Right. Or host them on some other, you know, like, and I think that's the security concern that you're talking about. And that kind of protection is the thing that's going to be impossible to find uh, anywhere else and in any other kind of like generalized system. So, in a way, the only way that you can make this work is through the developers because they're the only ones that can kind of like essentially hard code, um, 
you know, like hard code in the same kind of protections that yeah. protect the game into your, you know, uh, into your mod. Absolutely. And this is actually something that I'm, I'm kind of curious about, right? Like I'm looking at, at, at this creation club page and a lot of them are like, should have just reskins of existing things, right? Like what happens if somebody like takes one of your like reskins and then makes it just not even stealing anything, like literally just goes in and makes it by hand in, in the creation kit and then posts it. Is that like a problem? Like you, yeah. Or, you know, what happens if you put up something that happens to be similar, right? Like, one of these is just looks like it's just like a red Pip-Boy, right? Like, what if somebody just happened to have made a red Pip-Boy and it was, like, a less popular mod for whatever reason? Like, are those not valid anymore? Does that person have to take their stuff down? These are, like, the kind of, like, concerns, like, the that, that I have about this kind of system. Because, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think that modders should be obligated to never get paid for their things, you know, but I do think that kind of like protecting them as a, as, as a, uh, kind of class of creatives that, that want to do it for free, I think is also important. Like not taking, stripping stuff away from them because, uh, you know, because you've got this, this, uh, this, this, this massive idea or whatever, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you there. Uh, I you know and it's funny because to me this is all a little bit like out, uh, like out outside of my realm of experience to to a certain extent because I'm not a big mod person. Uh, like I've dabbled a little bit in Fallout mods and I and I like some you know small uh, not sorry not Fallout what was I saying Civilization mods, um, and I like some kind of small tweaks here or there right like the Civilization mod I use is like the easiest thing in the world because it just basically ups the required amount of science to progress uh, through like, you know, like through the research tree and like the culture tree uh, by 10. So you can, so it just, it stretches the time of the game artificially. Right. Which I like a lot. Um, uh, but I don't know. It's, you know, uh, I don't know. I have, I have, I have a, I have a, I have a tough time getting like super into like the really, really hardcore, uh, the, the, like the really, really hardcore kind of like modding that people do for like Skyrim, uh, or even things that are, you know, like relatively normal with, um, uh, relatively normal with like Minecraft and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I they, they, that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to me personally. So I, I can't help but view these mods like clinically like i don't quite i don't quite understand modern culture but just like my read from the outside says essentially this yeah i mean i've i do i i mod my skyrim quite a bit um and there, it's like i don't know there's like there's a great donkey vid which i'll try and remember to link um that is just like him playing skyrim with like all of like the craziest fucking mods installed including like a, a you know like uh, Macho Man Randy Savage has the dragons and stuff like that. Like, his, the mod community has takes all sorts. Um, like, <laughs> one of my favorite things is that um, when Skyrim HD came out, it, it wasn't actually compatible with a lot of the um, a lot of the existing mods. Like, they, mm. they had to be rewritten. One of the first ones that made it over was the Busty Mates mod. Oh um, my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i was just well, like you know you know that's that that's uh that's I, i'm like it was like that and like new like street lights 
And I was like, you know what? This is pro- about ex- about what I expected with like people in various places. And I was like, oh, the Skyrim script extender people are working on it. Um, you know, part of this is, of course, that like a lot of these like weird extra tools that you have to do to get this all to work correctly are so aren't compatible. And like they require a fair amount of technical knowledge. And a lot of the more popular mods are built on top of that. Like the Skyrim script extender isn't compatible with the HD version. They might have they they announced they were working on it. I haven't checked it in the six months since then. Um, usually what I do nowadays with Skyrim is, uh, I install it, I spend three hours configuring my mods, play for about five minutes, and then put it down and walk away. Uh, I do, you know, I honestly have been meaning to go back to Skyrim. Um, I've been meaning to go back to a couple of games, like, we talked about Fallout 4. I actually went to go check Fallout 4, uh, to see, because I was like, oh, I should, like, go play all the DLC that got released or whatever. There has been an extremely small amount of DLC release. I was incredibly surprised, right? Like, it's the automaton thing, um, you know, uh, that, like, the, I, I guess this is just kind of how we think about DLC these days, right? There's a high-res texture pack, which is free, you know what I mean? Then there's Far Harbor, which is, like, a whole new, um, uh, like, a whole new zone, right, out in the, out in the boonies, essentially, um, uh, then there is a Vault Tech thing that just like adds new stuff for the sediment builders for Vault Tech. Same thing with um, contraptions, which sounds cool and crazy, and I'm sort of into in a certain way because it makes you know like it makes your ability to do things like logic gates and like conveyor belts and stuff. Um, but uh, you know like it's a lot of it's a lot of small stuff. The only big stuff that are like the old Fallout, uh, the the old Fallout DC, like Fallout New Vegas got four twenty dollars. Um, essentially expansion packs, right? Um, you in with Fallout Four, you kind of have these like little like item pack sort of kind of things, and then you have Nuka World, which is an amusement park run by slavers or raiders or whatever, which sounds to me like just kind of like a shooting gallery to go like fuck on kids, uh, and then Far Harbor, uh, which is the only one that looks like the old you know like the old mods, uh, like Point Lookout for Fallout Three, um. Or uh, Lonesome Road for Fallout New Vegas. Uh, so, like, even that, like, now I'm kind of like, man, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> I didn't even like Fallout 4 in the first place, and I want to go back and give it another shot, and then it doesn't even say, like, well, here's some DLC that might be awesome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, it's, it, I think this is part of why the Bethesda conference was so, like, disappointing. There's, like, I don't know, I think people want, people love the, like, Love Fallout and love Skyrim, even, even despite its flaws. I think is is the is the best way to put it. And like this, all they give us is like more ways to play Skyrim. Mm. And uh, like one one of the one of the people's, I, I think I agree with them. People were super pissed off. Fallout Four VR is an entirely new purchase. Like it's oh yeah, sixty dollars. Yeah, dude. it's like wow. a slap in the face, right? Like it really is. Um, like. And just and it, I I just can't I just can't understand uh, you know why or where the I I it, it it boggles my mind honestly where they're at where they're looking at this stuff and thinking about it and they're like okay uh, you know what we're going to do we're going to you know, like re-release our game at full price for a piece of what is essentially ni- like niche hardware, right? And that's going to be like our new product this year, right? Like, how are they going to make any kind of money off of that, right? 
Uh, yeah. It just, I don't know. And But at the same time, I also think that they're looking at stuff like, look, Dishonored 2 came out, right, and was apparently very good. It got, it got great reviews, right? But, like, nobody seems to be talking about it. Uh, and it didn't, like, smash into the kind of, like, cultural consciousness the same way that the original Dishonored did. Um, which really sucks because, you know, like, I like that game a lot, right? Like, you know, I like uh, I like all of these kinds of, like, action, like, stealth action games, like Dishonored and, like, you know, Deus Ex. Deus Ex Human Revolution comes out and doesn't meet sales expectations and now that whole property is being shuttered, right? You know, IO Interactive is getting sold um, because the Hitman, you know, like the Hitman game that also got really strong reviews didn't sell enough copies. So, like, I, I think to a certain extent there's a version of it things where uh, Bethesda are looking at, you know, like the, the gamer landscape and kind of saying, like, these single-player experiences just, like, aren't selling anymore, which is, like, a travesty yeah. to me. I, I think I think some, somebody pointed out, and I think I agree with it, is that... Um, they also they announced Evil Within two, which it looks like whoever's making that game had like like straight up like snorted whatever Kojima was snorting when he was making Death Stranding trailers, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and Wolfenstein two, and I think like the the person I was reading essentially said that they can't put out a Starfield or a Game of Thrones or announce that at this conference because otherwise those two properties no one cares about them and they just like get thrown under the bus entirely. That's fair. Um, I think, yeah. Um, I'm actually kind of excited for like, um, I'm I'm not super into horror games, but Wolfenstein too. Like I like I like the goofiness that's that's present in that trailer. I'm I'm kind of excited for that, but I think they're right, right? If they announced a new like, you know, mainline type of property, I would be like, oh, and yeah, there was that too, and I wouldn't think about it again. Um, which kind of sucks. For the uh, the rest of us, um, also Todd Howard wasn't even there, so you know I didn't even get my 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 my, my sweet lies told to me by Todd. Uh, um, apparently he was at like his son's middle school graduation. Maybe that's why I didn't get announced this year because Todd Todd couldn't be there, and they can't announce anything without Todd. So um, thank you, Todd Howard's son. I hope you're happy that you made the rest of us disappointed. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah um yeah i don't know i mean you know the like these development cycles keep getting uh longer and longer and longer um so i get it from that perspective almost like look if you're gonna spend five years on i just read an article about mass effect andromeda have you read the kotaku piece by jason schreier i have not it is a, uh, you know, like he went and he talked to a lot of like the devs uh, after Mass Effect Andromeda came out kind of thing. And he was basically showing how, um, you know, like Mass Effect Andromeda had had five years of development time. But because of just kind of like internal politics working against them inside of the company, the game got like upended essentially twice. And so they basically made the entire game inside of 18 months uh, because they kept having to like redo shit a little bit and like you know and, and it's 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 a very it's a very um uh it's a very good piece of kind of like inside what game development actually kind of looks like um because you know they're talking he, you know he's talking about like oh well the, you know these systems were coming along great but these systems were really poor and you know we couldn't like they couldn't fix them and so they were cutting and cutting and cutting and changing things and you know rewriting stuff kind of like all the time and that um and he and he essentially comes to the conclusion that like that's the reason that this game is a mess sort of thing 
Um, but uh, I think I think you can see the same kind of uh, like you can see kind of like the same kind of groundwork in other spots uh, sometimes. And like, you know, a version of, you know, like we, we talk about it being like, oh, they had five years since Skyrim came out. How come they haven't made a new Skyrim yet sort of thing or whatever. But I really kind of think that that's, that reading is a little bit unfair because it doesn't quite understand like the nuances that really do go into, you know, like game design. Um and uh, I don't know. It's you know. It's I, I I thought that this stuff would get better because graphical fidelity kind of got to a really good spot, and so we didn't. You know, like I figured we weren't going to need to be spending like, you know, like putting tons and tons of people on uh, essentially graphics teams. But you know, it just keeps going up and up and up, right? You know, HD isn't good enough. Now we need 4K, right? You know, uh, everything has to be 60 frames a second all the time. Uh, like those kinds of those kinds of things, ironing out those kinds of like making that kind of polish happen takes a lot of people and a lot of time and a lot of work. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. uh, um. And I think, and I also think when it comes to you know, in a in a certain way, I think that like paid mods to kind of like loop it back right in a, in a certain way i think paid mods are a little bit of bethesda's answer to this right where they're kind of saying like look we can't put in the development for uh you know like we can't go crazy for the development for um the dlc for fallout 4 but here we're gonna outsource it essentially to all of these other people and hopefully they'll make something powerful right uh, I, in a way, I think that that's a, that's a strong answer. Like, again, you know, most of my criticisms are in the specifics of how that they implemented it rather than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I definitely get that. Um, speaking of specifics, this is, this is a little bit tangential, but, um, something that, that kind of keeps coming up in these discussions around this is kind of, um, you buy things with like Beth Bethesda credits. Um, what, maybe you have a little bit more insight into this cause you, you work in this with some of this kind of stuff. Uh, why does like every game company use uh, use like essentially like fun bucks that have to be bought with like real money instead of just buying things with real money directly? Oh, actually, th that uh, so that is a um, uh, so that's a psychological thing. Uh, people attach a lot of value to dollar signs, essentially, right? Um, and so what it's trying to get you to do is to buy uh, like for instance, Battle.net just has dollars, right? But that but like kind of like the 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 i guess like product management side of things is that that cues people to equate your battle.net money with real money which is bad for you because they spend less on your fun bucks right if you if you buy you know like if you spend $20 on fun bucks right and you're using those fun bucks to like buy other th like those other things it creates a separation between the fact like okay let's say i spend $50 on uh well uh so like so you know like you get these packs in mass effect andromeda's multiplayer right uh you know so it's like it's essentially you know five bucks for two packs sort of thing um and you so you buy so you buy 50 so you buy like 50 things right 
and you decide you're not going to open them all at once. You open half of them and you come back and you open the other halves, right? As you're opening each individual one of those, because you bought it with fun bucks instead of buying it with real money, you're obfuscating the real money value. I mean, it still has that value, but psychologically, people don't perceive it to have right. that value, right? So as you're cycling through and you're spending your, you know, like your, you're opening your packs with fun bucks or kind of... Uh, uh, whatever you're not you're not perceiving the real world money value that goes into that kind of thing and it makes it easier and easier to spend uh, on to spend on the game uh, comparatively right if mobile games are very mean about this because what they'll do is they'll put a cap on your um, you know like they'll put a cap on your uh, kind of fun bucks spending in the game and so what you'll do is you'll buy like you'll buy the most cost efficient version right like the fifty dollars or whatever and then over the next four or five days progressively open you know like you get your stuff out of it right you open your packs um in candy crush for instance this is you spending your uh like your re-roll thing so that you can keep trying the same level over and over again right but because there's that you know like because the they force a time barrier between purchasing of the fun bucks and spending the fun bucks it just it just pulls those two things apart so by the fourth day you are when you're re-rolling in uh when you're re-rolling in candy crush Right, you are you're not perceiving fun bucks as real bucks because you made a real bucks purchase four days ago, but your fun bucks are being spent right every you know like every day outside of that real transaction, and it's just it's just all about it's just all about making a making a as much of a difference between those two things as, as possible. Huh. Well, I don't want anybody in Blizzard to take my advice. I love that they use uh, you know like I love that they use Battle.net dollars i think it's great but yeah it's super dude it is super fucking slimy right like it's a really it's a really kind of uh uh i'm not gonna say it's like like bad business practice but it's definitely well, kind of oh it's deceitful a, it, and manipulative. i was gonna say it's a definitely a good business practice otherwise people wouldn't do it it's just <laughs> uh uh kind of shitty one um yeah that makes yeah i mean i you know like i would also say that being deceitful with your customers is typically a poor business practice but yeah yeah right i i yeah yep that's why people use fun bucks you heard it here first and by that i mean i've read a couple of articles about this is uh oh you aren't you aren't giving us any any uh square square secrets no <laughs> no no no, no. Uh, you guys, uh well i use fun bucks i honestly can't remember because i don't deal with um I don't deal with that stuff in my. I mean, I can't really talk about what I. I can't confirm or deny, right? But but the, like the real answer is that that's not the side of the like that's not the, not the side of the job that I work on. Um, so it's not something that I have a direct insight when it comes to my company, right? Um, it's just this is this is stuff that I have gotten from, uh, you know, reading articles on uh, on. Uh, publications right people have made a couple of there's a couple of videos on this um like there was one video i watched that talks about this in a very general term but it links to a couple of articles um and like a like a like a couple of studies uh that few or it, it, that like fuel this behavior right because it, it, all of this essentially boils down to um a few psychological studies uh that uh the um the 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 that like all of this is built on right it's just like a couple of psychological studies that people got like their hands on so you know there's that well then uh 
Yeah, that's t- yep. <laughs> <laughs> that explains why they're using fun bucks. Um, I also think that like w- one of the things in their video that they show is like, uh, let, let me see if I can find this. But at at the, at the like when they're when they're demoing the screen, um, they have uh, they like what one of the things that they show. Let me see if I can find this again. Is I think they 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 call like one one of the pieces of DLC is horse armor. Oh, I saw that. I thought that that was. I thought that was them being kind of like it's cheeky, obviously, because I think it was for a uh, like it was for power armor in Fallout Four. Uh, yeah, it is for power armor in in in, in Fallout Four. Um, I'm looking at it now. Um, it is them being cheeky, but it's also one of those things repeat. Like, you know, you can be cheeky and still like leave people with a bad taste in their mouth. I am amazingly surprised, I have to say. I'm amazingly surprised that they made that because they got crucified for horse armor. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was it was the worst, most, just like, the, the single shittiest piece of DLC that I think has ever come out, ever. Is it was also, like, armor. one of the first, if not the first piece of DLC that was ever available, ever. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and when, and people constantly call it that right like it's not like people obfuscate the, the you know like people people called shitty dlc horse armor constantly and so it's kind of like why are you drawing attention to this massive failing of your company i don't know maybe they don't view it that way but uh, yeah I thought that was kind of just like what <laughs> yeah like I, like it feels like a like like a kind of like attempt to be like <laughs> but like Ever like it's uh, I don't I don't know it's weird I don't know I mean maybe with a better company I would be more uh, yeah this is actually I would be more on board with it this is my single biggest problem is that Bethesda does not have a good QA track record in fact it has an actively terrible one yeah every one of these games comes out and requires a fan patch not only that Skyrim HD came out and the things that were fixed by the fan patch weren't fixed in the HD edition so they had to make another fan patch. Like, yeah, I, this kind of stuff boggles my mind, and like it's I, like it's it's essentially I think you're right. I I don't trust I don't trust them, um, you know I'm, I yeah I you know I I it's funny because I actually really do like a lot of uh, uh I do like a lot of Bethesda games like right like Bethesda is a like Bethesda is a company and a creator that I like a lot, but it is just ridiculous how many times i don't agree with their decision you know like the the the, um the thing that they've done with reviewers now right where they want the reviewers to see the exact same game as the players right and so they only send out the review copy uh the day of or a couple of hours before at its best to me there is just no version of that that is not fundamentally kind of like deceitful and a shitty business practice right um and and i and you know i don't know i think that this kind of thing is very uh and this kind of thing is a very cool idea i just kind of wish it was like headed by someone else (laughs) yep as as devolver says tomorrow's ethical business practices today um it's uh i like it's like so the thing you're talking about. I can like kind of get behind the difference, you know, like separating like Bethesda's marketing department from its developing department, right? Like, 
I could put like I could believe you if you told me that you know Todd Howard did not approve of you know launch day uh, review codes or at least most of the dev team didn't and that's just something that Paul Marketing came up with. Um, but like just kind of like the the the, the consistent refusal to properly test and patch their games is like like the 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 open world jank i'll live with it it's fine but if you're gonna put this type of thing into it you need a higher standard um sorry i'm I, uh so did, did you mean todd howard made that decision no no i'm saying i i'm willing to bet that he didn't right like the oh, person oh, yeah. who made like like no he like, definitely like, did because he's a develop he's a design he like he's not an executive right right but this, this is my point right that like okay that like I can separate the dev team from the marketing team, right? Like I, I can, I can look at what Bethesda does with these review codes, and say that's not the development team's fault, right? That's mm -hmm. like some marketing guy's fault, and I won't, I won't hate on Bethesda for that. But what I will hate on, or rather, I won't hate on the Bethesda devs. Yeah, I won't have. Yeah, I won't hate up on on the devs either. I yeah, definitely what I will hate on them for is poor quality of 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 uh, of testing, essentially. Um, and this kind of thing where like it's 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 ludicrous, but like Fallout 4 sells billions of units, Skyrim is on every platform and has sold a billion units on, on every platform. Um and people still keep buying it despite the fact that it's a flawed product. Um and so the no, no one really holds their nose their face to the fire and says, This is unacceptable. We just keep buying their shit. Um which I guess like I, I think I think I don't know, dude. Man, they lost a bazillion dollars on ESO Online. Uh, you know that. So ESO Online had two hundred and fifty. It was like two hundred and fifty million dollars to develop that game, right? Uh, and they they are now, as far as I understand it, uh, now that they've kind of like made all of these changes, gone free to play and everything like that, they actually now have like a pretty good player base, and I think that they're actually like at a good clip or whatever. But they like they got really fucked for that decision. Right, but but is is that like a is, is that a a jank decision? Right, like I don't think ESO is, is as janky as like Skyrim is. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a little bit fair. Yeah. Um. Like, like, yeah, like my, my, my point is essentially no one stops buying Skyrim because it's, it's, you know, it, it's got jank to it. People stop, like, like, I actually think that this might become a sticking point on Creation Club. Like, if they can't hold their promises as to how these things work, if things don't work, I think the Creation Club will kill itself. Um, but I do think it's, it seems like they are um, limiting themselves to things that are, that, that would be hard to create, like, these kind of inherent problems um, or at least any new ones, right? Like, you know, whether or not you have, like, your nice spotted horse isn't going to affect whether it can run up cliffs or not. Uh, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, and, you know, it's also kind of funny because a lot of the games that I'm really, like, interested and excited for haven't shown up yet. Uh, or or weren't part, you know what I mean? Like all of these, all of these kinds of Blizzard games. Um, you know, we have uh, like I like you know like I was talking about Blizzard doesn't go. Blizzard has BlizzCon, so they don't do E three. Um, and uh, and I guess like did Destiny two show up? It didn't, right? It did. It showed up oh, at the Sony conference. Um, they they moved the uh the the oh you're right the console date back by uh by uh, two days. 
Yeah, um, I guess I guess most of most of Destiny Two is kind of. I, I you're right. It kind of faded in the background. I completely forgot about it. Um, and by uh, and by back, I mean that they moved it. Like it was, it's coming out two days earlier than expected. And then uh, they announced that the PC version is coming out a month and a half later. So you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I know. I uh, I actually need to pre-order the PC version with my with my Blizzard Fun Bucks, I, aka WoW Gold. <laughs> I have a million. I have a million WoW Gold right now, and I can spend about five hundred thousand of it in order to buy uh, the sixty dollars version of the game. Uh, <laughs> I just have to like actually go in and spend it. See, Mango, the the hours and hours and hours I spend playing my second job is finally paying off. Sixty dollars after six months. <laughs> that's quite that's quite the value there. <laughs> um, you only get sixty dollars over six months. Does that include you paying the oh, subscription God, fee? I mean, uh, oh shit! You're right. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so a net negative thirty dollars. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I'm really uh. I'm really good at this, you guys. <laughs> oh man. No. Um. So the only other thing I kind of want to mention about paid mods in general is the thing that I've seen on on the Nexus, and I think I think is kind of the way that things gonna have to push, for the most part, is um, a lot of links to the Nexus pages with these bigger mods have Patreon links. I feel like that's kind of got to be the way that that these people get paid. It's kind of like the voluntary tips from people like you and me. Or whoever who like to who who are willing to throw a dollar into people for for doing the work. Yeah, that is fair. I you know it's funny because uh, like I like Patreon a lot, but I like Patreon because it's be- like I like Patreon because it's a band aid over what I think of as being a bad like a, like a bad system almost. You know what I mean? Like I think I think ideally in these kinds of instances, right. The like the companies uh, would kind of absorb uh, absorb this stuff better, and uh, uh, and then that and like you know like that's how these people would get paid, right? Like the, like you know like the Creation Club in theory, right? Is uh, is exactly what I think of as as a good thing, but Patreon, but like Patreon is a good like Patreon is close enough uh, to uh, to. Uh, um, Patreon is kind of like close enough to that system that it that it that it's fine. I guess. Yeah, I I like I like Patreon because it, it allows for things like, you know, allows for somebody like me who is a high functioning adult with a job to put a, give some money to somebody to, to to a creator so they can do what they want, and some kid who doesn't have, you know, the money to throw at somebody to enjoy that content as well. I I think I think that's kind of the beauty of the system. That's um, fair. Uh, um, what I would, what I, the last thing I want to mention, because it is also on the, um, uh, because it's also kind of like on the, on the subject of mods and paid mods, um, the take two who are, they own, they own a ton of different companies, right? But most notably Rockstar, they made GTA five, uh, which is essentially just an MMO at this point. I have since learned, I had no idea that that was the case. Yeah. People play it. Like it's just an MMORPG essentially. Um, anyway, um, they issued a cease and desist order to open four, which is one of the big mods, uh, for, Grand Theft Auto 4 and 5, uh, and as well, one for, I think, something like Max Payne 3, maybe. Um, and they made, and they said something, I think, that uh, was, in the eyes of Take-Two, 
modding is an illegal practice, right? Which is the which is uh, like they have they which is kind of like them recently changing, right? Um, the the their their software like modding modification of their software is now illegal because it violates you know like the rights that they re they've reserved, uh, and so. Uh, the, how how do you feel? How do you feel about that? Right, like how do you feel about a game that was open for mods? Right, the developer now all of a sudden says we no longer want mods, and they shut everything down. Um, on the one hand, like uh, kind of like a like like a, a base level, I think that that's I don't I don't know if they actually have that right, and I don't again if they do, I don't think they should. Right, like this is kind of like. Some like I think we had we had uh, a case this about jailbreaking an iPhone essentially right like this is like selling somebody a car and telling them they can't change the tires like it's your copy of the game I think you should be free to do whatever you want with it. Um, Ooh, see, interestingly though, a lot of games are sold as services. Oh, right? I, instance, I, I like, like I understand the concept that you buy a license to the game. I also think that that's garbage, and I'll, like you know, there's a lot of right of first sale things that go into that too that have either legal battles that kind of resolved in, in consumer rights or are like kind of those battles are kind of looming. Like the ability to resell a Steam game that you bought is a thing that it's, it's like an interesting question that I think is going to have to be answered at some point soon. Um, oh shit, you're right. That is a good... Um, like, I don't necessarily... Like, my personal opinion of the way things should be is that you should be able to do whatever the hell you want with something that you buy with your own money. Right? Like, I don't, like, um... Does that, does that, does that include something like, uh, uh, well, like World of Warcraft? Um, so, hmm, that's, that's a good point. Um... Because, you know, like, because I, I actually, so I agree with you to a certain extent, right? Like, I think, I think most of these single-player games are kind of games as product more than games as service. And so I agree that, like, yeah, you should really be able to mod the fuck out of your Skyrim, right? It's a single-player game who gives a shit, right? But... I mean, I can't confirm or deny whatever, right? But obviously, there is a big, you know, like, modding Final Fantasy XIV is against the license agreement, right? And users get banned for that kind of behavior, right? Um, because it's, you know, because it's a, like, it's like an online, it's an online sure. game, it's an online service, you know what I mean? So, like, where's, well, like, what is that where, line? Where's the line? Yeah, no, that's, so, like... I actually think that that's just a super interesting question. Um, I think there's kind of a level of like, you know, when the company is like, like, like sell, like the, the service of playing an online game, I think acts a little bit differently, especially, especially when the, 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 the company is controlling the server, right? Like if, mm -hmm. if, you know, uh, Square owns the server or, you know, Blizzard owns the server, their ability to control what happens on that server and then how things interact with that server I think are, um, I, I think is, is a little bit different. Um, and I, I think they kind of have the right to, to enforcement there. Um, on the other hand, I think things like, like in, in final fantasy 14, I, I know that one of the things they use are like damage lockers. I think that kind of thing should be allowed, right? Like it's not harming anybody. It's not like screwing with anything on the, uh, on like kind of the, the, the um the 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 competitive side of anything um 
I don't know. That's, that's, that's it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. Can you talk uh, about this? I don't want to. I cannot talk. I cannot talk about this. But it is. I just want to say it is funny you mentioned that because that is something that uh, let's just say I think a lot about. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, uh, the uh, the like the different the different approach. I, I can I, let me let, I can approach this from a different perspective. The different approaches to different developers when it comes to this kind of thing is actually like fundamentally fascinating, right? Yep. Ghostcrawler actually had a thing um, on his. Um, uh, you know, so Ghostcrawler has a has a blog, and he likes to do like kind of Q and A questions and answers sort of thing. And a lot of people ask him about Wow. I mean, he's working at Riot, obviously, but basically, you know, half of the time people are asking him about Wow stuff. And he has a couple of regrets, uh, like from his time as the lead for World of Warcraft. One of them is Raid Finder. Uh, he thinks you know, like Raid. He he. So he thinks Raid Finder should exist, but it shouldn't be baby mode. Essentially, you know what I mean? Like Raid Finder really does need to be. Uh, uh, you know, much more challenging in order to not be uh, unengaging kind of thing. Uh, and, and, you know, he's talked about some other stuff like, oh, like this kind of PvP thing, this kind of like whatever sort of thing. But one of the things he mentioned is he said, you know, we made a very conscious decision early on to embrace add-ons, right? And the add-on community that came on with it and like curse and everything like that. But that was actually a poor choice on our part um, because even though it had very good net effects in some ways, right? Um, big, powerful add-on developers oftentimes get hired directly into Blizzard, right? Um, which is a lot of what I think I, I, you know, this is what I think people see in the value of modding is that it puts stuff on your resume that you right. can, when you're applying to a games company, you can kind of say, hey, listen, um, sort of thing. But um, the uh, the uh, the modding question also has, has negative consequences, as he was kind of talking about it, where he was like, you know, there are things that we should have done or should be doing baseline in the game that we don't because there's an unspoken expectation, well, they'll just download the add-on sort of thing, right? Um, and he said, and you know, he, and he was like, and I tried combat, you know, I tried to combat this a lot, a lot, but like it creates a ton of inertia when you try and tell, you know, like the developers, hey, listen, we should have a, you know, like we should have an ability to to change around, uh, you know, like the location of your hot bars in a better way, right, or the size of your, or you know, like kind of like whatever else, and they kind of say, well, why can't you just get bartender for that you know what i mean like yeah that sort of that sort of thing really kind of like fucks with development um and he was talking about that and so certain other mmos have taken other practices like i said i can't comment on uh final fantasy 14 right now but i can say that for instance star wars the old republic anything any third party program that you use i think it's a it's a two strike right one strike you get hit for it if you're using a bot to like automate you know like going afk and in, in pvp or something like that in order to just like reap rewards or stuff like that um or like auto gathering kind of thing right um in your second defense you get banned uh but they have specifically in the, like in their policy they have a specific exception for parsers where they say that anybody you know anybody who wants to use a parser can use a parser that's fine um but you can't use anything more you know like anything more severe than that um other companies have other philosophies right you know a lot of the time parsers like that are used are, are seen as kind of a gateway drug i mean this logic is dubious but kind of whatever right like they see it as a gateway drug to other versions of automated 
software that you use to fuck with the game, right? Um, and the idea is that, well, first, you know, you're downloading a parser, but when you're going and you're downloading a parser and now you're kind of doing this, you, like, you understand how to load in a parser to the game, now you you are 50% of the way to automate, to making, a, to making like, a gathering bot or something like that. To doing right? the mess. Um, you're right. And so, and, you know, and so that kind of thing, it's, you know, that kind of thing gets taken very seriously by, uh, by developers. And a lot of developers have different philosophies. Um, so, you know, it, it is a really, it is a really tough question to answer, right? Like, I have no problem calling League of Legends a service because the game is free, like the game client is free, right? Um, and uh, the... Uh, the the game is so entirely PvP focused that I don't think that you can buy it as an explicit product and yet host multiplayer. You know, like you can't have a competitive multiplayer system, like a with 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 allowing people to mod their game like right. that, right? Because on you know inevitably it creates unfair advantages. Um, yeah. So 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 kind of kind of just wind, wind this back. Like I think like. The service of the multiplayer game, I think, is in a lot of ways distinct. Like, if you wanted to take, say, your um, your Overwatch, right? Because that's the game we play. Um, Overwatch competitive yep. mode, like the competitive mode, is a um, is a service, and I don't think you should be able to to fuck with that, right? Um, but if you wanted to take your copy of Overwatch that you bought, and you know, reverse engineer the code and hook it up to a private server and play a modded version on that. I don't think that there's anything ethically wrong with that. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's the, the gray areas around like how you do that and how that enables piracy and whatever, but that's, that's, I think a separate set of concerns than like the, the morality of the act itself. And I think doing something like that, where like you actively, like the, the part, part of buying the game is buying the services that you attach to or buying license to the service that you attach to. Certainly part of it is kind of also buying the game itself and so I think being able to kind of change the things that don't necessarily interact, like, I, th I think you can easily break a game down into the parts of it that are a service and the parts of it that are a product. And th and I think you should be able to modify the things that are the product in a way that you see fit, right? Like, I think that, like, like I think in an ideal world, um, like, a, a well private server if everybody has bought a copy, a legitimate copy of World of Warcraft, and hooked up to a private server, I don't see anything wrong with that. Oh wow, that's an interesting. Um, uh... I like. I think the the problem there is that a lot of people don't buy legitimate copies of, of World of Warcraft, um, and do that, and that's that's its own set of concerns. But the the kind of act of hooking your copy of your copy of World of Warcraft that you bought up to a private server, I don't think is inherently a moral act. Interesting. I have always, I have actually, to be honest, I mean, like, this all kind of hit ahead with all that nostalgia stuff right. a few years ago or whatever. Um, I think it's only a few months I, ago, actually. Ah, uh, shit. I guess you're kind of right. That felt like a long time ago, but I guess it really wasn't. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, do find, I do find that kind of thing incredibly interesting just because World of Warcraft has been around for so long at this point, right? Like, it's almost 15 years old. Like, the game has just changed and changed and changed and changed. In a lot of ways, I think the game has gotten, you know, like, has gotten better. But I almost kind of, like, wonder if there's a version of things where, like, five years from now, instead of talking about StarCraft Remastered, right, the HD version of, uh, of StarCraft uh, and StarCraft Brood War, we'll be talking about... You know what I mean? Like Vanilla Warcraft uh, remastered, right? Uh, I think the way that Nostalrius actually went through, um, you know, they published, the, like, w you know, when they started the private server, they were essentially publishing the server at, like, 
you know, kind of like the zero zero version of the game. Um, and then uh, what they ended up doing was uh, patching in a like rigorously timed patching so that the patch came at the exact time that it came for the original game, right? So they added in, you know, like Molten Core got added in and then, you know, whatever else got added in and um, uh, because, the you know, the original Vanilla WoW had like 12 patches or something right. along those lines. Um, right. I, and so they kept to that schedule, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, I, I guess the other part of this is like if the like, – I don't know how they built the server, but if like – they stole the code to do that. I think that's got its own problems. But like, if they built that from the ground up, I, like, I don't see a problem with that. that, that that's like that's a caveat I'll put on it. It's funny to see. It's funny to see people talk about it because people talk about it in this kind of context of saying something like, um, you know, oh, why don't they just license it out, right? Like, and you know, of some percentage of the, you know, that everybody who plays Nostarius has to pay for it, and some percentage of that goes to Blizzard, kind of thing. Uh, but I think that kind of, you know. Uh, that that is its own that is its yeah. own rabbit hole to go down. Anyway, we're over on time. Yeah. Um, Actually, uh, I, I do want I do want to add one more thing to this, um, which kind of occurred to me as, as we were talking about it, which which is essentially like, I think this is like I think there's also a difference when like the Nostalgist people go advertise that to like, like a but like you know advertise that as like a public service and then also like solicit donations. Um, I think like if like, like you know you me Nick and Mark all hooked ourselves up to a private server that I made. I think that's also a world different than kind of like a public thing. Um, I don't know. And now I'm adding more conditions onto it because I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, you know, like deeper. I think Minecraft, for, you know, Minecraft has taken that to heart, right? I think, you know, people, it's funny because people, uh, people really criticize Microsoft for purchasing Minecraft. They, you know, they purchased Mojang for $2 billion and they were like, holy shit, how on earth is that like, worthwhile and is that making money for the company or whatever um but then they published this uh you know like they they microsoft who you know sells server farms all the time kind of thing so obviously they're really good at this kind of tech they just they internally built servers and you can buy a server you can rent a server from microsoft to play on and to mod and everything with your friends uh and so they make they make bank off of that game just because those server you know like there are hundreds of surfers and every one of them is paying, you know, $12 a month or whatever that kind of like the, the, the cost is that they assign to that sort of thing on a, on a game with development costs that are essentially kind of through the floor because the team is still tiny, you know, like they haven't really fucked with the Mojang team all that much. Um, and so they've really kind of like turned Minecraft into a crazy catch cow that it really wasn't before because you just bought the base game and called it a day. Um, well, I mean, it's, 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 it still was a cash, you know, like Notch still has a butt ton of money cause it like sold. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of- but the point, yeah, right. So the, the point I'm making is that the, it was sold almost on those initial, you know, like he was making all this money off of everybody paying him 20 bucks to buy the right. game. Right. Um, but now that so many people have the game, right? What Microsoft did, and they were oh, like, yeah. "Oh, I know how to, I know how to monetize this." We're going to instead of instead of telling people to set up their own servers, which is a tough process, especially if you want to get higher and higher. Uh, uh, like ca- player counts on them, we'll just backend all of that for them. So if they want to, they want a server, they can just rent one from us, essentially, sort of thing. And that's how they turned it into like a long term. Okay, uh, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. Um, F- speaking of Minecraft, they announced the Minecraft HD pack, and I laughed and laughed and laughed because they just like when they announced it, like we have a whole new look for Minecraft. For a half second, I thought they were just, like, not going to have gotten it and make everything look different. 
But no, it's just like slightly nicer looking blocks. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so so yep. kudos for Microsoft for not fucking it up tremendously. I, you know, to be honest with you, I thought that they were going to put like I, – I was so sure that instead of saying HD edition, they were going to call it the 16-bit edition. Because right now it's 8 bits, right? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Like visually. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to count the pixels in my head. I think it's 8 bits. Um, anyway, um, and they were going to announce like the 16-bit version, right? And so everything would just be like marginally a little bit better, which is what it ended up being. But they called it the HD version. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, anyway, we have gone a little bit too long on this random talk. Um, but we played we played uh, Hell's Rebels last night. Um, oh shit, we did. We played a lot of Hell's Rebels. Uh, um, we did play a lot of Hell's Rebels. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but we played more than I expected because we went the full time when I thought that I was going to take, like, you know, this is what I get. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, to, to be fair, most of it was Alaric and Beauregard arguing about, like, the, the potential deals for uh, what's his nuts? Uh, the the for Elector Fortnax, that's his name. Yep. Um, I, uh, you know, I I always f like in the back of my mind whenever we're doing these things, I kind of think like you know how much how much does this really matter? Like I enjoy it, but I also kind of feel like you know, well, three of the five members of the party are like saying maybe a grand total of three sentences the entire time. Um, yeah, I do feel this is kind of one of the first times that I felt pretty bad about it. Uh, like normally, right? Like I'm, I'm generally um, kind of fine. Uh, but the uh, the thing that I found uh, the thing that I found interesting last night um, was how the people um, were, or I'm sorry, were were uh, kind of how the granular you guys were getting because like the, the point is to debate the granular details of this stuff because i am a you know like i'm not a perfect computer but i am a, a machine that can process this kind of data really well and so like yes right like be, uh, being relatively protectionist with certain aspects of you know like raven i didn't even think about that kind of thing right but like but i i can follow your line of logic your line of like hypothetical logic to it and so i think of this stuff as being really valuable because i want you to spend the time to kind of set up this is this is a little bit of what these prompts are here for right is to help you you guys define your government and what you want in specific terms the future of ravenel to look like once you do theoretically seize power um and uh, uh, and get into the kind of like nitty gritty of that like policy stuff, right? Um, but it be, it was pretty clear tonight that like this wasn't even a this wasn't even a case of like where Weirin has a pretty basic opinion about something, and so as long as that opinion is satisfied, he is satisfied. Uh, like I I was really getting a read that like yeah everyone was kind of just like oh who the fuck cares, um, which sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I cared. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. I know you and Alaric care, and I and like so, obviously, so I, 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 and like I care a lot too. Obviously, I, um, I, I think this actually kind of speaks to like our different character motivations. I think this is gonna be an interesting thing because it, it, it's a problem that needs it either needs to be like handled or maybe solved is the wrong word, but like, like you know, Beauregard has strong motivations to like make Ravenel a powerhouse because he's very politically motivated, um, and now Alaric's been kind of drawn into that too is kind of like 
you know, for, uh, like elevating Keonan along with it because that's something that he cares about. But like, you know, uh, Weirin kind of gets motivation by the Waywatchers, but he, he doesn't seem to care all that much as so long as they're like taken care of. But like, Merrick and Rakox, like their motivations are not like, they're kind of like, they're not like big motivations, right? Like, Rakox wants to fight real good. And Marigrug, I guess, kind of wants revenge and has some opinions, but like, it's not like I don't get the I don't get the feeling that either of them are like really vested in kind of the the the, the political end of things. Yeah, like, yeah, essentially the future of Ravenel as a whole. Which you know, as characters, I think that makes sense for them that, that they don't care. Like you know, they're just kind of in this for the rebellion, and they don't care so much about like what the fiscal policy of post-revolution Ravenel looks like. Right. Uh, <laughs> um. But it's also kind of like a thing where, like, you know, we've got a couple of characters who really want to engage with it, and a couple and a couple that don't, and I think that's that causes these kind of dichotomous sessions. Which I don't know. Do you think? Do you think this is a thing that needs to be solved? Um, I don't know. Well, so it, it's also a little bit of um, it's a lot. Of, it's also a little bit of how things are kind of like piecemeal. Um, like for instance, they're going to be like, this thing is going to happen for Maragrug in the same way that it kind of happens for Alaric. It's just going to be later down the line and more focused on, right? What, like, cause the, the, you know, the question needs to be answered obviously down the line at some point. What do we do with this giant tribe of chaotic evil half-orcs who are now following one of our party members in Ravenel, right? And so Maragrug will have a lot of political questions to answer about them specifically, obviously, but like that's not something that's happening right now because they're, you know, like because we're not at that time when you guys are, you know, like you guys are consolidating politically, right? Uh, in the same, uh, in the same sort of way. Also, I, you know, uh, this is a little bit of shade to throw at Enoch, but I haven't had a good track record with getting Enoch engaged on certain things, um, which is a little bit of my fault to a certain extent, but also, uh, you know, he, he seems content like, to like do the combats and like play a video game while other stuff happens. Yeah. That seems, that seems kind of, uh, and every once in a while he'll kind of like turn on pretty hardcore for something. Um, but I don't know that he has like the greatest sense of, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, like, like this kind of political stuff is really engaging is engaging for him, which sucks to a certain extent. Uh, and well, I mean, you know, there's also stuff with him coming down the line anyway. Right. But like hypothetically, you know, this same kind of thing that happens with, um, you know, like the same kind of thing that just happened with, uh, Elector Fortinax, right. That was just Charles. I mean, this was me prodding you guys. Cause I was like, Hey, do you want to set up any other right, meetings? Right, Come right. On, we should set up some other meetings. Right. <laughs> uh, and obviously Elector Fortinax was an, was, uh, one that I had planned for. Um, but it's not like Enoch was sitting there and he was like saying, well, you know, like I want to set up a meeting with Tonric or I want to set up a meeting with, um, uh, you know, uh, Nathan Reynolds. Nathaniel Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit tougher with those guys, um, but I'm not unhappy. Uh, I'm not unhappy with that kind of a dichotomy. I think it's just a little bit natural, right? People are looking for different things in the game, um, you know. Um, and we also just kind of came from a. Uh, so uh, I, I feel like an idiot. Is Nathan Reynolds supposed to be a reference to Nathan Fillion, Malcolm Reynolds? Holy shit, dude. You're the first person that's ever gotten that. Yeah, that is. That is legitimately where I pulled that name from. Uh, he has he has changed. He was originally a character that I made in my Kingmaker game. 
Um, cause I actually did the same thing with noble houses where I kind of rewrote the noble houses and I had all these different ones. Uh, and there was like, you know, like Vasco da Silva was whoever. And, uh, but yeah, Nathan Reynolds was, uh, uh, Nathan Reynolds was named for N- Malcolm Reynolds, Nathan Fillion for Malcolm Reynolds, for Malcolm Reynolds and Firefly. Yeah. Wow. I kind of had, uh, I kind of had, um, uh, I kind of had like in character understand like like uh like visual references for these people and so in my head nathan nathan reynolds looks like nathan fillion uh and before he used to act a lot like mal but now he kind of doesn't he's like too changed uh for that uh yeah but anyway so that's what happened uh i guess that's what happened in hell's rebels last night yeah we we argued we argued about protectionist policies (laughs) I, fi- I mean, I find this kind of thing so interesting yeah. just because, like, you know, like, the the kind of, like, Europa Universalis player in me goes, like, nuts for this shit, right? Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> like I said, the biggest thing for me is, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, how much of this are we going to have to deal with as, con- like, I feel like a lot of this, like, how much of this are we going to have to deal with as consequences anyway? And, like, I like, I like arguing kind of these theoretics, but, like, at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter too much, so, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, I think you underestimate the amount that it, that it matters well, maybe to be honest, just be, like, because like so much of this stuff is not set in stone that figuring it out is what's important, I guess. Does sure. That make sense? I also maybe just, maybe I'm mis misunderstanding where the end of the campaign is. I'm kind of assuming it's somewhere near the part where we take Ravenel. If, dude, no. Okay. <laughs> Not even, dude. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude. You spend, uh, uh, are you, I don't even know if, I, should I say something? Oh, uh, no, it the, don't. The, okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really want to, like, uh, uh, I really want to, like, go into it. <laughs> All right, when we get there, um, we can figure out what, what happens. Um, but yeah, um, so that was uh, what else have you been playing this week? Um, I have been playing a bunch of Dead Cells. I love that game. I think it is a great roguelite. Um, uh, Total Biscuit put out a video about what makes a roguelite, which is very kind of. Um, he's a lot more authoritative. He like speaks more authoritatively on it. I don't know if he actually has more authority on it, but he talks about um, what we were kind of trying to get at in our roguelike episode. Um, he mm. uses roguelite as a term, which is kind of like a a modifier on an existing game as distinct from roguelike, which I kind of like as a convention. Um, I also, and like he talks about roguelikes as like kind of purely adhering to the Berlin def, the Berlin definition of the Berlin, it's kind of like a name, the Berlin kind of proposal or something. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I get where he's coming from. And I thought it was very interesting and enlightening. Sorry. What, what is the Berlin definition? Then? Um, it essentially lays out uh, – let, let me see if I can find this. It, it lays out a number of factors that define a roguelike um, – uh, let, me, let me see this. Berlin Interpretation is what it's called. Um, uh, in 2008, um, there is the International Roguelike Development Conference, and uh, a bunch of people come together, and they come up with like a, some general principles that describe uh, roguelikes um, with a, a bunch of high-value and a bunch of low-value factors – um, and people kind of take this as, as something like a, a kind of Bible. Um, there's also a, uh, <laughs> a wonderful article called Screw the Berlin Interpretation. Um, 
about what's wrong with it. Like some of them seem kind of stupid. Like one of the low value factors, granted, is low value is the is the is the ASCII display aspect, which I think is just. I don't even think I don't think there should be anywhere near lists like this. Like I don't think. Yeah, me neither. Elements like that. I can. I can I'll link all this in the description. Um, Though I actually, actually, now that I think about it, I do kind of understand the impulse because there are times when things like that are defined. The the obvious example being like first person, person shooter, shooter yeah. a high value aspect, you know, like a necessary aspect to the val to the genre to that genre of games is that the camera is in the first person. So defining tech specs inside of inside of a genre can be really useful in that way. But I do think it is limit like limiting overall. Um, yeah. Um. I'll link to all this, but anyway, as part of that video, he talks about how Dead Cells is a kind of great roguelite, and I w it's an early access game, so I, I you know, I kind of, I put it, I had it on my wish list already, and I looked at it, and because of that, I bought it, and I love this thing. It's, it's amazing, and it just came out with a new update yesterday. Um, it's everything I kind of like about these games. It's, 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 uh, it, it, it doesn't like you know, you can make good progress right from the beginning like there's not like a, like uh, told us it goes into this in his videos but like a lot of roguelites make this kind of mistake of putting up a very high initial wall um that you that kind of makes the first couple runs tedious until you get like a little bit going um dead cells sidesteps this i th i think it's an amazing game i'd recommend it to anybody who likes uh rogue roguelites who likes hack and slash type games it's it's uh it's pretty great um, so, uh, you know, like you, you, you just, you lose a bunch. Uh, yeah, so right. when it's, it's, when you die, you, um, go back to the beginning and you start again, but like you unlock, um, blueprints, um, kind of like rogue legacy, um, which are potential items that can show up on the, uh, on, on the map to use, right? Like, uh, like, you know, like different types of weaponry, um, and, and whatnot, um, and also you preserve some of your gold run to run if you buy the right upgrades, which are kind of like, like, so as you defeat monsters, you, you collect cells, dead cells, and you can use those cells to pay for upgrades. Um, there's some default ones that are like, um, the kind of the bigger influential ones are like, um, like you get a health potion and you put more charges on that. And then that, um, really increases your kind of, uh, survivability. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other big one I think is that you can unlock, um, random starting like instead of having like the base weapon and the base uh and the base stuff you can unlock a random starter one for them and that's also a big progress thing and then um several levels have um runes that you unlock that kind of unlock other modes of trap like there are like things that you can interact with that you can't do anything with until you unlock a particular feature like there are these clumps of like moss on the ground that before you get this thing um it just says tickle and they just kind of like rubble rub around a little bit but once you get the rune they turn into vines and they shoot up and they unlock different pathways um and so i think it's uh i don't know I, i've been happy with it um it's I, I think it's great what about you buddy what have you been playing uh i think you know the answer to this i've been playing a game called factorio um so factorio is uh it's a game that's a lot like minecraft in a sense like it's one of these kind of like you know like it's one of these like open world kind of like crafting games but it's isometric um well it's actually technically not isometric but it is top down um 
and uh, the whole the like the whole point of the game is to like there is an end state. It's to launch a rocket into space, right? You are a traveler who has crash landed on a like a like an alien planet, right? Um, and you have a certain amount of like kind of like supplies on you already, sort of thing. Um, but the expectation is that you uh, harness supplies from the surrounding environment. Uh, such that you can build a new rocket to send into space to get, like, somebody to come save you or something like that, right? And uh, and so the kind of, like, the you know, like, so the core loop is mining stuff and then crafting stuff and then using that crafted stuff to craft more and more stuff and keep going and going and going until you hit rockets uh, and then build your rocket and, and, and fly out of there. But um, the... Uh, and, the so, and, and the more you do this, the more local aliens uh, are attacking you, right? Uh, they start off easy, they get hard. Easy is kind of normal things. The thing that gets crazy with Factorio, though, is that... Okay, so in mine, uh So this is just kind of like design stuff, right? But in Minecraft, the... It is... The important thing is volume rather than rate, right? So I need... If I want to build a castle, right? There's no, like, clearer end state. But, like, let's just say I want to sit down and build a... You know, like, build a castle in Minecraft. I need 500 stone blocks. So I go down and I mine 500 blocks and I throw them in, you know, 500 furnaces. And I get my 500 stone things and I build a big old castle out of that... Uh, out of that whole apparatus, right? Um, so the the operative figure there is, is the... Uh, uh, is the is the volume right because it takes so long to like mine stuff and you can't do any kind of like mining or anything automatically obviously so uh you know you just kind of need to worry about hitting your your 500 and then go from there but in factorio the the resources are essentially limitless um in a in a like they're practically infinite in the sense that you can basically keep mining and mining and mining and it will take a just ridiculously long time for that whatever minefield uh you know like whatever like iron field or coal field or copper field um to kind of like diminish all the way down sort of thing so what matters is the rate right the rate at which that you can pull things out of the ground like first with shitty mines and then with better mines right and then how much of that stuff can you stuff in furnaces and then how much of that stuff and then the like and then it gets even crazier because there's a couple of baseline tools, right? You have things called inserters, which will, which is just a, a, a robotic arm, right? It will pick something up uh, and it will put it down on the other side of it sort of thing. Um, or, But it will also put that material inside of like, like buildings and stuff. So I can put an inserter inside, like in front of a, in front of a furnace and it will take iron ore and it will put it in the furnace right and then i can put a second inserter that will take coal and put that in the furnace and now my furnace is going right because it has coal plus iron right and then i have an inserter that pulls the finished iron plate out of the the furnace and puts it you know and like puts it somewhere else right so now all of a sudden i have automated my way i've like i have automated the crafting of iron plates right but then you have conveyor belts, right? So like a con you know like con and conveyor belts just move shit around the map. So I can take put I I take my iron plate out of my furnace. Now I put it on a conveyor belt. Now that conveyor belt takes it over there, right? And another inserter takes inserter takes that off the belt and puts it in a chest, right? 
and so and so now it's all about okay well how many iterations of that process can i make and so i make 25 fucking furnaces and i'm just producing all this iron okay well what am i going to do with my iron right crafting takes a long time right in minecraft crafting is in is is uh is uh super short right it's, it's instantaneous but in factorio crafting takes anywhere from 0.5 seconds for something easy to like 30 seconds if something's hard and you'll get really bogged down if you're sitting there trying to craft all of that stuff on your own so you build something called an automator an automator is essentially just a factory that crafts an item as long as you insert uh like the um as long as you insert like the the ingredients of that item, oh ho! So now what we have is the is the basis of like a gigantic fucking machine, right? It takes my iron plates, puts it on a conveyor belt. An inserter takes it off that conveyor belt, puts it in an assembler. The assembler spits out a gear. That gear then becomes a thing, which then becomes another thing, and so it just like goes out of control from that point, right? Uh, and it is super addicting and super fun. Um, and, and purely from a purely from like like I bet you would hate this game just because like you're a programmer and I bet that like putting programming together kind of has this same kind of like watching making systems and watching them go is satisfying kind of like loop but for me it's just so satisfying to like think of a like a like a good design in order to like siphon stuff out right or or figure out ways to up the efficiency of your you know, like your whole production apparatus, like, oh, well, I'm not getting enough, you know, like I'm not getting enough iron uh, into my, into my like whole bigger system. I need to connect to, you know, whatever else kind of thing. And it gets so, and it, and it just gets insane, right? Like you can build automated trains uh, that will just do these big mass cargo dumps. And there's all these different types of inserters, like a filter inserter that will only pick up certain kinds of items and filter them out of whatever your thing is. It's nuts, dude. It's fucking nuts. It's a great game. Uh, the coolest thing about it, in my opinion, is that you can actually play a multiplayer. Uh, Rachel and I uh, have been playing. In fact, when she gets home in like however many minutes, I'm sure that we're just going to like load it up. Um, <clears throat> but uh, uh, Rachel and I have been playing a game and where she is kind of focused on defense and power and I'm focused on science. Oh, right. By the way, there's like science, you know, like you can't just immediately build a rocket. You have to like research those technologies it's a whole thing um uh and so and, and so i've been focused on uh, uh on like science and advanced like like high level production stuff um and it's just it's just a lot of fun it's just really it's just really fucking fun and it's one of those games that like you start playing it and then all of a sudden it's like 8 a.m the next morning yeah it's it sounds it sounds neat I'll, I'll have to check it out at some point it's been on my 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 uh playlist for a long time uh, I uh, to to a certain extent I actually want to say that you and I should play it together but to a certain extent I kind of don't because I think there's a lot to be said for figuring out uh, one of the things that I've been doing because I've been jonesing uh, really hardcore for like playing it while I'm like at work and stuff like that is like on my lunch break or whatever I watch uh, um, I watch YouTube videos of like let's players and it's really you know like it's like cool and everything but every once in a while like the let's player will do something and i'll be like oh my god that's so fucking clever i never thought of using you know this thing that way sort of thing and now all of a sudden i'm using it but there's something a little bit lost that i didn't discover it on my own to a certain extent yeah you know, I, I definitely get that um hmm i don't know i'll check I'll, I'll check it out at some point i think uh the other thing the only other game that i i played this week um, was I played on Saturday a bunch of PUBG, 
with some uh, Ooh. friends from, uh, or with a friend from college. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Um, yeah. And uh, some of his friends. Um, and that game is great, but solely in a, like, uh, but solely in a, like, with friends aspect. The I don't think I want to play this game at all on my own. But kind of the like the the idea of being with like two or three other guys and like doing like as as Charles likes to put it excellent tic tacs, um, uh, tactics, uh, running around and trying to survive as long as possible along with kind of mm -hmm. like like you know a lot of the game is just kind of like this this kind of like huntless like slow drawn out hunt through the game. Um, and then there are these, like, piercing moments of, like, terror where, like, people are firing at you. It's like, oh, my God, it's gone. There's somebody over there. Everybody. That does sound like a lot of fun. Uh, I was thinking about getting it, but I just, I kind of got, like, distracted by, like, Tutorial, Yeah, yeah. Stuff. yeah. Um, but uh, I think there's a, there's definitely a version of me uh, that uh, um, it does does buy it and then uh, and then I, I'll come in and play. It's play some it's 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 a neat game um one of one of the things that i don't like as much about it um is not not for not for any problem with the game or is that like because the game is by nature very like do nothing and then like high moments of action i don't get a lot of practice with shooting the guns um and so i'm not particularly good at it and there's not like a, a, a lot of room to practice with that um also the game the game being as realistic as it is has things like um, or try, you know, trying to ape realism, um, is like the gun, the guns don't auto reload. You have to hit the reload button to reload the gun. Um, um, or things like, uh, like, uh, this actually happened to me. I forgot to switch my, my gun from, from single shot to full auto. So I like charge this hill and I go to shoot at somebody and I hold down the trigger and it shoots one bullet and then nothing happens. And then I get, then I get murdered because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm on single shot. Um. But it's 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 also one of those games that's like kind of inherently unfair, because like everything's so random. But it's still it's still fun regardless. I, I don't know. I I have a brilliant time with it. Um, that got a lot of announcements at E3, and I'm ex I'm excited for some of that. I'm excited for it to be more stable because it is one of the jankiest games. Um, <laughs> um, one one of my coworkers has to told me this. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but um, apparently it's made in Unreal Four. But instead of making it with like a real with like real programming commands, they use this, these things called um. Blueprints, which is kind of like baby's first programming languages where you like drag and drop components, which is why it's so poorly optimized. Um, so, you know, uh, apparently it was also like, like player unknown is the guy that like designed it all. Who's like one of the guys behind AZ, but it's like made by some, like he like commissioned some South Korean studio to do it for him or something. I, I'm, I'm not super familiar with it all, but uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing to track. Cause it's also like one of the biggest games on steam at the moment. Um, oh, I find that all very interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, it is a really huge game. I'm really surprised at how uh, yeah. people are uh, taking to it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, people are people are really going nuts for it. So, huh. well, uh, I think that's about it. Um, if uh, you want to tell us what you think of E3 or paid mods or PUBG or Factorio, you can let us know at subversiveplaygames at gmail .com. You can. Uh, Watch us on twitch.tv slash Games. You can uh, rate, comment, subscribe, all those things on iTunes and on SoundCloud and in every place ever. Uh, and we'll love it if you do. Um, we need to get more popular. 
We got turned down from Comic-Con because we're not popular enough. Oof, that did happen. You guys we're not popular enough. You need to give us more ratings on iTunes, guys. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but I think that's about it. Buddy, do you have anything else you wanted to promote? I have nothing else that I'm looking to, uh, to promote. Uh, well, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>